Welcome to The Bechtel Hold, a pro wrestling podcast hosted by me, Stephanie Cheers. Every week, I deep dive into the pro wrestling stories that have been keeping me up most at night, from AW to WWE, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Impact, and beyond. So sit down, strap in, and join me as we invade the boys club, shatter the glass ceiling, and drop kick down the doors of pro wrestling. Hello friends, welcome back to my podcast, The Bechtel Hold. My name is Stephanie Chase, and today it's a bonus episode because this weekend, AEW hosted the Wrestle Dream pay-per-view, and I am going to give you my review of it. Yes, I thought let me get back on track with my posting schedule and do a Wrestle Dream review as a bonus episode rather than waiting, uh, rather than like messing up my schedule any further. So new episode of the pod should be out on Friday. But today we're looking solely at Wrestle Dream, a pay-per-view to honor Antonio Noki that just so happened to take place on the first day that Edge was able to make an appearance for AEW. Now, if you want to see the video version of this, you can head to my YouTube where I'm putting it up for free. Usually to see the video versions, you have to be a channel member or a Patreon member. And if you want to support my Patreon, go over. It's Stephanie Chase on Patreon and you can do a one week free trial. But the video for this is now up for free on my YouTube channel. So let's get into it. I'm not going to do the matches in the proper order. I'm going to do them in funsy order. Which match is the most fun to talk about? right down to the least but I will say overall I thought this was an awesome pay-per-view it was really really good I don't know if it's best of the year but it's definitely in the top three already um so jam-packed full of great action maybe too jam-packed because it was like everything AEW does really really long but still I thought it was great um do I regret not going no no and I can't even hold it against myself because I truly did not believe this was a real event until it started on Sunday um it's a strange one but you know we're moving into a new phase of AW where for pay-per-views a year that made it easy not easy to go to everyone but feasible to go to everyone that's over we're probably looking at double that in 2024 so new times but yeah a really really good show and I'm going to get into it with the main event and then we'll talk about the debut of Edge which happened after the main event so Christian Cage defeated Darby Allen in a two out of three falls match to retain the TNT championship I loved this match this match was so brutal um of course with a Darby match it's just going to be full of spots where your heart is in your mouth and you're like this guy is gonna something terrible is gonna happen to one of these guys to this guy one of these days I mean he has no regard for himself as we know um I love the first fall with Christian's turtleneck being his downfall you know it's a great outfit but is it practical obviously the the story of the match was Christian's kind of head games with Darby and you had Nick Wayne's mom who is called Shana by the way they always just call her Nick Wayne's mom on commentary and everything I don't know if they've ever said her actual name but she was their front row now at one point and this for me was the first reference to Armageddon 1999 
Triple H versus Vince McMahon because at one point Christian went over to her and it was very like how Triple H went over to Stephanie when she was in the car during that match. Um, She looked like she was into it, did Miss Shayna Wayne, Nick Wayne's mom, but then she slapped Christian, like threw her drink on him. But the big twist of the match, after Christian had done like everything, to Darby like he literally stripped the ring of the mat and they were wrestling on um the wood it was it was really funny and cool to see when Darby was being tended to Christian just going at it and like removing everything from the ring that was so funny but Nick Wayne came out Darby gives him the TNT title to hit Christian but just like when Stephanie was given the sledgehammer at Armageddon 1999, she turned, uh, Nick turned, and he used it on Darby. His mom looked shocked, but we'll see where that goes, because I do think it would be fun if Christian started dating Nick Wayne's mom. But <laughs> anyway, the match was awesome. There was re- some really, really cool spots. Christian is such a great worker. I think he's of all the, and we'll, you know, we'll get into old guys and I'm not saying old being offensive, but you know, all they like around about the age of 50 club. I think he's like the most selfless of all of them with how he works. Um, even though he won this match, but you know, he won it for the storyline. So this was to me a very memorable match. It wasn't actually my match of the night, but it also, the show was so long that this totally woke me up um because I was feeling like yeah it's getting too much um as we got to the main event but then I was awake when these guys started really going for it so yeah totally awesome I I did think that Christian should win just because I don't think another TNT title win would help Darby at all I think we should be working towards someone else getting it so after the match we have the beatdown of Darby Allen, um, Christian and Nick Wayne. We then Sting like finally came out to try and save Darby. And I know that there's a lot of the time with Darby and Sting, Darby is very much like, let me go in on my own. Like, don't come out and help me. Um, I don't want that, that like, they don't have that kind of relationship. But at the same time, I thought Sting really took his time but that that wasn't the the biggest like logic gap that we were going to get to um and luchasaurus came out as well so sting and darby were then totally over outnumbered then christian goes to do the concerto on sting and he takes his sweet time because then we see a video play and this video shows a man in a car and he's driving down a road, and you can see Rated R written on the road. So, of course, we know it is the Rated R superstar, Adam Copeland, not Edge, Adam Copeland. And then he appears, and we have his Metalingus, which is a fucking awful name for a song, um, Alter Bridge song. Tony got the rights to that. They could not use you think you know me so instead it was you think you know him and it's since been confirmed that that is Beth Phoenix's voice and I think that is a very cool touch 
Chris or Edge comes out to the ring. Adam, sorry, I mean, I will be calling him Edge most of the time. Adam comes out to the ring. Christian looks like he's seen a ghost. He looks shocked. And just when you think that Adam might be on the side of his longtime friend, Christian, no, he's coming in his baby face. Um, he gets rid of the heels. Christian runs out, though, before Adam can get to him. And we end the show with the debut of Adam Copeland. So what do I think about Edge being in AEW? Okay, the 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 debut was like a leave your brain at the door moment, but I think most kind of debuts are that now because if you really think about it, of course, it makes no sense that this man was there ready to debut, so much so that he made a video, but was waiting till like the the most like perilous moment for the baby faces um and he still didn't hurry up you know because they played the video and the song before he came out um and whatever and Christian you know stopping from doing the concerto because the video was playing like a true villain would just do it anyway but that's wrestling logic um I what is my relationship to Edge there was a time when I did really like Edge um it was probably the beginning of the rated R superstar era. Now, obviously, one of the most iconic moments in the history of WWE um, is SummerSlam 1998, when Sable faced Mark Merrow and Jacqueline in a mixed tag match, and Sable didn't have a partner. Well, it was a mystery partner, and no one knew who it was going to be. And then before the match started, she got in the ring and she said, and now let me introduce you to my partner, you know, in her great voice. And Edge came. Edge came up from the crowd. It was when he was that that mysterious guy. And he would he just did that match for no reason. And like that was it. Um I always remember that. And that's really like that that's genuinely my favorite edge moment. <laughs> um obviously then he went on to the brood. He went on to all the rated R superstar stuff, rated RKO, all of that. So I think when he was like at his peak I did quite like him, but he was never someone that I was really, really into. He's kind of, it's almost the way, um, it's almost kind of the way that I think of like uh, Jericho's uh, WWE career in the 2000s, um, where I just kind of almost don't, I don't have any great like feeling towards him. You know, I almost don't like, remember him he was kind of like furniture or or something um then when he came back after all that time away obviously his retirement was very sad and when he came back after all that time away in the rumble that was really exciting and then of course like he got into doing matches and promos that I just did not like I did not like his stuff with Randy Orton I didn't like all his like acting serious take a chair promos I thought all that was terrible um so Overall, did I enjoy his WWE comeback? No, but I'm not going to hold that against him coming into AEW because it's it's a fresh start for him. It's a completely fresh start because he's never been in AEW before. Um, and who knows what his presentation will be like and what he will do. Uh, I think he's probably seen like some of the negativity surrounding some of the like frankly boring you know, acting stuff that he did. So luckily that, oh, hopefully that will like spur him on not to do any of that in AEW. I think my, oh, my, my criticism of it 
and I would have this if it was anyone that fits this criteria is I just can't be excited by another former WWE guy, especially one around the age of 50. I, I'm not a very nostalgic person. You know, I'm not like, oh, yay, it's edge from my childhood. Like, I, I don't feel that way about people. And I do think that, I mean, it's it's a overdone statement, but we, there's definitely too many ex-WWE guys in AEW. AEW has, like, completely lost its identity um, over the past couple of years. Um, you know, it's not, it, it, it's not the company like it, it originally was. Um, and I don't believe it's the company it was founded to be. It is now just a second WWE. Um, and I don't have anything against when they take in, you know, young guys, um, you know, like your Miros or your Andrade's, especially guys that weren't used well in WWE but someone like Edge um given his age I just hope he doesn't end up being like another like Jericho figure where he's just doing vanity stuff that doesn't help anyone um so yeah I'm just it's hard just hard for me to be excited about another older guy I have to say I wish Tony's policy if he was going to hire guys around the age of 50 to bring into company was one in one out because then you could bring in Adam and the whoever it is who's around that age that's been in AW the longest, you can turf them out. Um, and I think that would be a lot better for all of us. So I will 100% give Edge a chance, chance. I have nothing against him. Um, I think, yeah, my only thought is it is just hard for me to be excited. And there was something about it when he appeared where it seemed like a weird fit to me. It seemed like a weird fit. And then Tony saying, you know, we're entering a new era of AEW um, at this pay-per-view. And that turned out to be the rated R era. Um, I didn't like that. I think if we're entering a new era, that new era shouldn't be the era of an older wrestler, you know? Um, I would have put that in like the lower end of my expectations of what a new era of AW could be, could mean. Um, and I do worry about this era, not because of Adam Copeland, um, but because of a lot of things, um, and the identity of AW and how things are going. Obviously the pay-per-views are amazing, but I think the week to week TV is not, and the live attendance certainly is not and they have a lot of problems um that they need to sort out and I don't think that Adam Copeland's the answer to it but hopefully he'll help hopefully he'll help with attendance and and ratings but yeah it's um you know it's a there's been a lot of change in AW over the past year or two and not all for the better However, welcome Adam Copeland. Um, and it, it is nice to see him with Christian again. It is nice. And I and I uh, heard his press conference comments and I appreciate him for not being an idiot in character. And I really love Christian, but <laughs> dude, okay. We all know that you're a guy called Jay, please. So since I was just having a go at, you know, 
too much focus on older men, let me talk about my favorite match of the night, which was Swerve Strickland versus Hangman Adam Page. These two, to me, are the future. They they are who I would put all my money on, Hangman, Swerve, and Jay White. Those would be the guys I, that I push. Like, this match was excellent. The, the crowd were, like, pro-Swerve because it was Seattle. It was so well worked, and they felt like stars. The presentation, um, the crowd reactions, and how they were going about the match. Excellent. I had been wanting so long, Hangman to rise up again and this feud with Swerve has been perfect for him and then Swerve I've wanted to be put in bigger programs and this is like this is what I've been asking for I love this match so much and I am so high on both these guys and it feels weird it's like I'm talking about Hangman Page like he wasn't formerly AEW champion but I think his run was so fucking botched that he does need rebuilding. Um, and, you know, I think his run suffered from the timing and, and punk and everything. But yeah, I'm ready for like the second go of Hangman Page being the face of AW. And Swerve is so unique and creative with everything he does. And I love these two. I love this match. I'd give it like between four and a half or 4.75, something like that, if I was a star reader. Um, and I just hope they capitalize on it. I want to see more of this. I want them to do three matches and I want them to end it with like a Texas death match at full gear. That would be really good for me. Um, I did, I really wanted it to be an event and I really believe it should have been evented. And of course it didn't because Edge Adam was going to debut at the end of the Derby Christian match but I guess that's kind of my point that I wish this I wish new era meant hey look Swerve and Adam Page are the future of the company that's who we're putting in the main event not hey we've signed another older ex-WWE guy you know that's just why I want I think if if the company is gonna grow and like really be successful long term they need more of an investment in their own guys and swerve and and hangman are just two of the best out there like absolutely so yeah i loved this match i don't have any complaints about it um swerve's gear was awesome and prince nana is so great he's just loving life and i love that for him i love that for prince nana he deserves it Next up, Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. This was one for people that love grappling, for the grapple pervs. Um, I thought it was really, really, really good. Um, I think it's the best match of Zack's that I've ever seen. Um, and I've seen a lot of Zack Sabre Jr. matches. Um, I think it came off exactly how they wanted it to. And... I think some people might think a lot of grappling is boring and these guys showed you how it can be exciting. Um, Danielson's in an interesting place because he's basically said he's only got like a year of being a full-time wrestler left. And if he's going to use that time to do these brilliant like personal dream matches, then good for him. And I think that it was great seeing Zach in, in AEW2 in this way. 
And, you know, this match is meant to be at the first Forbidden Door. So I'm glad they got to do it now and got to do it here. And John Moxley was so excellent on commentary. He was on commentary for a couple of matches. He was just absolutely brilliant. Um, the only negative was them still having JR out there when Moxley was there. I just wanted to hear Moxley. He has a great future as a as a commentator. He he is the wrestler that I would like to see on commentary. He was so entertaining and he really reacted to everything. It didn't feel like he was trying to play a character. He wasn't trying to play any role other than the guy explaining to you why this match is important to these wrestlers. And he was awesome. But yeah, Zach and Brian, I think it was for me the third best match of the night, but only because I loved Hangman Square so much. And I loved the craziness of Christian and Darby. And this was something, you know, completely the opposite to that. But yeah, um, really, really good. Next is a match that I did not think was good at all, but wasn't even meant to be. MJF uh, versus The Righteous. MJF beat both of The Righteous, which is the thing that I wanted them to do least. I wanted something like Roddy comes out to sub for Adam Cole. I don't know, something like that. But this was just like... I'm glad they put it on the beginning to get it out of the way because when this pay-per-view started and MJF came out with a microphone I was like oh this just feels like a dynamite so it lowered my expectations for the pay-per-view so much and luckily it turned out to be this awesome pay-per-view um, and by the time it was over I think most of us had forgotten that this match had taken place but there's nothing much I can say I'm I'm so down in the MJF world title run like I was saying that this match would be fine until you remember that one of the guys involved is the world champion. I just don't like it at all. I get that people do like it. Um, I don't buy into the idea that what Adam Cole and MJF are doing is great storytelling. Like, I don't, I don't think that's true at all. I, I don't think that's what they're doing. But, um, and I've said before, like the comedy skits are not for me. They are not for me at all. But, um, I feel bad for the righteous. They they're they're cool. They have a great theme, and they just got jobbed out like this. It sucks for a team to be beaten by one guy, no matter how he does it. So yeah, I I just didn't like this. I I, I please don't let this MJF tofu chant take off. He's just I don't know. I'm so disappointed in him. This is not what I thought an MJF you know title run would be, and I do really push back on the idea that this title run is going well I think the live fans react to it but we know that the houses are down we haven't been really doing any great ratings and I was thinking about this and it probably sounds really harsh but there's a YouTube series um that I've been watching called train records where they go into like an album that kind of learned a band's career not necessarily in the way where like it made them break up or or anything like that but in a kind of like it, it, things would never be the same again after or um it, it was hard for them to get back to to where they were um and a lot of these you know albums that they cover were commercially successful and I just wonder if MJF is like AEW's Stan Anger or something 
a lot of people bought Cien Anger and then were like, oh. And I'm, I'm talking about Metallica, by the way, if you don't know. And we all bought Cien Anger. Like I was a Metallica fan because it was a Metallica album. But I think what they did with that album and the fucking documentary really exposed them in a way where it was hard to think of them as the same band afterwards and even though they did put out good stuff after Sinanger what I'm more saying is it it did damage even if it wasn't like a low seller and maybe you need a couple of years to really see the damage that it did Maybe Sin Anger wasn't the best example, but anyway, Train Records is a great series uh, by Todd in the Shadows. I think MJF may be AEW's Train Records champion because there's just something, they've never booked a champion well, except their first champion. They've never booked a champion well. But the direction that he's going in, I think for like the long term of AEW is not good. And I don't think that there has been solid evidence to show that this WWE direction, though it more even seems like WWE NXT, NXT like um, multicolored NXT, NXT 2.0 direction is really helpful for AW because I'm not really sure it's what the fans that have the real investment in the company that were the ones buying the tickets, watching um, and really supporting them I'm not really sure if that's what they're after, but we'll see. Um, I think obviously a lot of people are going to disagree with me and throw different metrics <laughs> that I will disagree with at me, um, whatever. Of course, MJF is going to defend it to the hilt, but yeah, I'm, I'm about ready for this title run to, to be over, <laughs> really uh next okay um the Don Callis family that is Takeshita Sammy Guevara and Will Ospreay defeated Jericho Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi I don't have much to say in this match I will say though the people that were really into the Golden Lovers like the type of people that you saw in the uh, Omega Man documentary. Like I was really into the Golden Lovers when it was a thing, um, but I wasn't, you know, at the level where I was going to be in a documentary or anything like that. The people that, you know, really blogged about it, explained all the lore on Twitter, got really deeply invested into the storyline, Tumblr'd, fanficked, all of that. Those people that have that, real connection and love for the golden lovers who wanted them to reunite so much like I need to ask was it your wish that they would then insert a 50 year old Republican Trump supporter into this Kenny Coda thing and make it a triangle because to me it is madness that Jericho has been able to insert himself in between the golden lovers. Like, what are we doing here? I know he goes around latching on to whatever he thinks is cool and whatever goodwill he can steal. But come on, Tony. Like, 
come on. I just think it's so um, weird that he, that they're with him. Like it, it's just so weird. And of course, it all comes from him and Don wanting to put their relationship on TV. Obviously, not everything they do together. Um, and then like set up a feud. But I just this match to me, Sammy and Jericho were the most prominent people, and they're the two least interesting people in this match. Um, and Sammy, I saw someone say this um on a Discord, and I think it's a great assessment of Sammy that he is the wrestler that you that AW has got the least return on their investment on. And I like I've said this before, but like the relentless pushing of Sammy Guevara is wild. And I truly believe it's all down to Jericho's vanity. Like he is obsessed with getting Sammy Guevara over. And if anyone here is watching that is a wrestling writer, journalist, please do a deep dive investigation into the push of Sammy Guevara. Because like, I'm not going to do it. But follow like the breadcrumbs on this one because it's really wild how much um they push him. And I think that they, well, not they, but what the senior party in this feud like realized that their feud totally lacks investment because of the amount of years this is this whole Sammy saga has been going on and the fact that Sammy hasn't connect it with fans and we're just like well let's find a way that we can latch on to this Omega Takeshita thing I'd be so pissed if I was Takeshita because the heat him and Callis were getting over what they did to Kenny was incredible I would love to see Kenny and Takeshita feud in um, a vacuum that doesn't include Jericho or Sammy and Coda can be involved in that Osprey Will Osprey one of the best wrestlers in the world. Some people will say he is the best wrestler in the world. Wherever you stand on that, he was nothing in this match. He was like a ghost. And even the fact of him coming out with Takeshita and Sami, so like these three people seem equal. Like Will Ospreay, who had two of the best matches of the year so far. Will Ospreay, and I don't mean his one from Wembley, I just, it, it's, it's, it is just wild what's going on here. Like the booking of this. Um, yeah, I thought this match was a great example of multi-man matches not working because for me, the people that I wanted to see, Kenny, Kona, Takeshita and Osprey, I felt were missing in action for most of this match. It was just about two guys Jericho and Sammy, who cannot get their feud over on their own. So they piggybacked on another one. And then we get a multi-man match. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of this. I thought Coda looked okay on it. He, in it, he hasn't looked really great in AEW so far. But give us a original Golden Lovers, please. A pure version of the Golden Lovers. This, this is, <laughs> this is, Guys, come on. I feel like no one wants to say it, but come on. Um, next up, 
Um, FTR versus Aussie Open. Okay, another very good match. But I think it suffered from a like lack of build. They still haven't done enough with Aussie Open to make us really care about them. And it being on such a stacked card that this was not as good as their Rev Pro match. And I don't think it was ever going to be on this show. It was actually one of the matches that I just would have removed from this show. I think that they would have had a better match um, at an event where they could have been more focused on. This this just wasn't it. It wasn't a bad match or anything. It was just fine, Um, but it was forgettable. And I don't think an FTR match should ever be forgettable. And Aussie Open are, you know, so awesome. But it was just there on a card that had the Danielson match, the Darby Christian match, and Swerve Hangman. This was just there. Perfectly fine. Please do more with Aussie Open, though. Um, I do have a lot of love and respect for those boys. Chris Statlander versus Julia Hart. This was very good. This was Julia's best match so far. She keeps improving. We all know that Tony just doesn't invest in the women's division. And I really think that the, the two best characters in the women's division right now are Julia Hart and Tony Storm. And I believe that they are two women who completely like created their characters and personas themselves. Like with what I mean by themselves, I don't mean that like Brody King didn't help a little or, you know, Tony Storm talked with someone, but I mean, without any prompting from Tony Khan, I think they created this like without any of his input or help. And he, that and that puts him in a position where he's had to push them because of the attention they're getting though they deserve to be pushed. And if the division was booked properly, that wouldn't be an issue, but it's not. So I do think though, Julia has the most amazing gear when she's um, seconding for the House of Black, but her ring gear is a little like lackluster. Um, I just want to see something cooler from her, but really, really good. And I think that Julia could very soon be a champion I don't think it was time to end Chris's reign yet because she hasn't been given the chance to do enough with it but Julia for me would be like the top contender to end her reign but congratulations to both but especially Julia Hart because she's just always always improving um okay next was Ricky Starks versus Wheeler Yuta boy did these guys get a bad position in the card um they were sandwiched between Hangman Swerve and Danielson Zach I think if I'm wrong on that, they were sandwiched between two other really awesome matches. Um, I get putting Ricky on every card because you want to like build his momentum, but I think this match was unnecessary. It's the other one I would have removed from the show. That it was just it, it was another one that was just there because like the other stuff was so great. Um, I really do like Wheeler Yuta so much, and with my obsession with wanting young guys to rise up the card, of course. I support any Wheeler Yuta push. Ricky Starks, I still don't think he's long for AW, but I think they're doing what they can to make sure that he is. But I'm, especially with Jade gone, I don't know if that's going to work. But yeah, a fine match. They didn't do anything bad. It wasn't even boring. It was just fine. And it was just there. And the card was just, had much better things on it. And um, on a less good card, this might've been one of the standout matches, but not on that night. Eddie Kingston versus Shibata. I really liked this match. Um, you know, 
proper hard hitting. I think it's the best Shibata match I've seen. Eddie was great as always. Um, it's a, another one of those things that was kind of almost like lost on the card because it's just, it feels like something if you're like a hardcore, if you're a New Japan person, if you're an Eddie Kingston person or any Japanese company really, you'd be well into this. But it didn't get any kind of a, a you know, big push. And, um, but yeah, I thought it was really good. And I love seeing Eddie with two belts. And I think this will be a real test for him being the Ring of Honor champion, a real test for him. And I think he's going to pass it. Finally, Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros versus Hook and Orange Cassidy versus the Guns. The winner get a uh, tag team title shot. It was won by the Young Bucks. That's really all I have to say. So we're getting Young Bucks FTR, I think on Dynamite, either next week or the week after. That should be good. Uh, the Young Bucks have also teased something special for the four-year anniversary of Dynamite. So we'll see what that is. But I um I just want to see the Young Bucks be a tag team again and mixed up in the tag division. Um, don't think they should beat FTR. But this match, it was just so typical of like the tag division being so nothing because you've got Lucha Bros in it. One of them's a singles champion. Who can Orange Cassidy? Not a real tag team. Um, and then the guns are kind of treated like jokes. But this was fine. Probably could have done without it, though. It probably could have happened in the Dynamite as well. So that is everything. I mean, there was the pre-show, but I don't have much to say on that. It was just long. Like, they've, they're trying to do this, like, WWE-style pre-show thing, and I, I don't think it works. I think it should just be two matches and a little bit of talking. Keep it to, like, an hour. I can't imagine the people in the venue like sitting through all of this like it's it's a lot it's a lot I don't I still don't think they found the pre-show you know formula to make it a worthwhile watch uh Josh Barnett was on the pre-show he wrestled Claudio and I just want to say that nothing will ever make me like Josh Barnett and if you are an OG Steph Chase listener or a knower of my lore (laughs) like I have lore you will get why I will never like Josh Burnett, okay? If you know, you know. Um, but I thought it was so funny, him putting over Claudio at the end of the match. And, you know, obviously, like, there's a whole him and Anoki thing. Though I would say, you know, Google Google the val- validity of some of the stuff they were saying about him and, and Noki. But it's just funny that he takes the mic at the end to, like, put over Claudio. And it's like, dude, Claudio's the one that works here. And he's an ex-WWE wrestler, like, Everyone, or pretty much everyone in this audience knows who Claudio is. We can't say the same about you. And I get that Tony probably thought it was a nice, like, respect thing to let Josh Barnett do that. But I just thought it was funny. I was just like, all right, Josh. Okay, yes. Um, And nothing else in the pre-show stood out to me. Um, I did think Stokely was funny, though. Anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. It was pretty quick, though. I'm sure when I end the recording, I'll find out that it was, like, over half an hour or something ridiculous um but yeah i i just wanted to do this so i have wrestle dream covered and out of the way um thank you guys so much for supporting this podcast remember if you want to watch the video version sign up to my patreon or my youtube membership and there's lots of other ways to support me too including uh having an only fans 
um and thanks a lot oh and subscribe on apple and spotify and whoever you like podcasts on please 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 subscribe and give me a five star rating or review pretend i'm your backstage source and inflate my rating get me to five stars or even a 4.25 will do and i'll see you at the end of this week hopefully we only have good stuff to talk about though everything i've written down to talk about in this week's podcast so far is bad but mm. Bye. Zero, 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 zero. Zero.